Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera, the show where I get to talk to iconic, creative, curious artists and find out how they got that way. And in this episode, I sit down with actress Joey King. When Joey King went to the premiere of her Hulu series, The Act, she didn't anticipate watching the entire thing through her fingers. But the role was so personally and professionally momentous that she couldn't bear to watch herself with clear, open eyes. As she describes it, I was sitting in a room full of people that I knew, but I was sweating the entire time. I was so nervous because I never felt so vulnerable about a performance before. The show, based on the real-life story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, played by Joey, and Dee Dee Blanchard, played by Patricia Arquette, explores the dark and disturbing dynamic between a teenage girl who wants to live a normal life and a needy, overbearing mother who suffers from Munchausen syndrome by proxy and intentionally makes her daughter ill. Although Joey's been acting since she was four, she recently rose to global fame after the release of the unexpected hit The Kissing Booth, a feel-good teenage romantic comedy that became, in the words of Netflix head honcho Ted Sarandos, the most watched movie on earth. And although Joey never actually attended high school because of her busy career, she brought a relatability to her character that clearly resonated around the world, honed on her other coming-of-age movies such as Wish I Was Here and Summer 03. But she was dying to try something more challenging, and when the act came along, she made it her mission to get the role. As she says, As an actor, we dream of doing things that take us out of our comfort zone. Wear fake teeth, shave my head, sit in a wheelchair, and study someone else's movements. It feels so good to do something like that. Joey joins off-camera to talk about why getting fired from her first pilot was a blessing in disguise, where she got her gift for tapping into emotions on command, and how she uses her social media platform and her nearly 9 million followers for the good of humanity, and sometimes for changing chicken corsage protocol at KFC. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hi, Joey. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that well, like, I'm here. You were the youngest guest we've ever had on Off Camera. Wait, for real? So no pressure. That's so wild. Yeah, and you're well, very young, but you're extremely accomplished, and we think you can do it. Well, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that I can't. Okay, so well, we will find I'm out. I'm going to go home now. Thanks for the thought, though. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've been watching the act for the last, like, four nights nonstop, which is this Hulu show, and it's based on a real story. Yeah. Gypsy Rose Blanchard, whose mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, had the whole Munchausen by proxy syndrome that we saw in The Sixth Sense, and yep. we've seen it in Sharp Objects. Yep. But this is a real case that was well-documented. There's There's been a documentary. There's been... Yeah, there's been, like, several articles and, you know, people trying the conspiracy theories on YouTube, people just trying to figure out what the hell is going on with it. Right. And it's a crazy story. And you play Gypsy Rose, who, among other things, her mother told her she was younger than she was, faked her birth certificate, lost medical records, and was giving this girl uh, medications for diseases she didn't have, which made her teeth fall out. And it's the most tragic story. It ends up with this girl in jail. And right off the bat, I was just curious about if this was a totally different approach to making a film or a television show for you because you're playing a real person and she's alive and there's all this source material. Not only the preparation for the role was something that I had to really take into consideration, the fact that people are now asking me, like, 
how I feel about her and what she did and what the justice system and like all these stuff. These are things that I've really had to think about and really, you know, do my research on, educate myself because it is a very complex story and a very sticky situation. I, I mean, it was super... It was super intense, the research process. But also, people have been asking me, like, were you method on set? No, not at all. I'm not. I'm, like, the least method person there is. But I um, I watched the documentary, Mommy, Dead, and Dearest, no less than 20 times, just because I wanted to... I mean, I had screenshots, and, like, my computer was flooded with all these pictures and videos and just, like, little things that Gypsy would do. I just... Along with getting her voice correct... I wanted to get her movements correct, and studying that, looking at anything I could find online of just the way she just carried herself, the childlike movements, and how that changed over time was really important to me. When you're working like that at home, are you literally, like before you're shaving your head and you have the whole character and the, and the wardrobe and everything, how do you get a sense of how close you are to being ready? To be honest with you, it's one of those things I believe over-preparing can be detrimental. I think you do. It, I think it can be disastrous. I think that if you get yourself stuck in a mindset too firmly without being open to change or, you know, adapting to your surroundings, it's really, it's not good. And I think that that's one thing that I wanted to make sure I didn't do was over-prepare. I definitely prepared, but I think that the most beautiful work comes when you're on set starting to do your rehearsal process. And I remember meeting Patricia and doing rehearsals with her it was all the preparation I had done, everything that I researched, it all kind of just like, everything just kind of like slips away and you really just fall into it when you're working with the people that are you know, surrounding you. It's so funny because what you're describing is almost like any of us when we have a new experience we're about to go do. Yeah. You always imagine how it's going to be and then you get there and... It's and totally different. It's totally different. And what I'm curious about is, during all of that imagining, what is sort of the worst case scenario stuff that goes through your mind as you're, as you're prepping this thing? That I'll get fired, you know what I mean? Really? <laughs> as an actor, it's sure. like our biggest fear is like, oh, fuck, I hope that I don't mess this up. Um, but I don't know. I was... I, well, meeting Patricia, first of all, I was like, oh my God, am I worthy? Am I, how, how am I even here right now? Right. Because I remember the audition process, and I was like, at, when I booked it, I was like, is this some kind of big joke that they're trying to play on me? Like, I'm so excited, but like, I'm like, are they for real? Like, they're going to hire me for this? Like, I can't wait, but I was also so nervous. I didn't want to mess this, because I've never done something like this. So the worst case scenarios, I mean, you can ask any director that we had, even though I was very confident in my decisions when I was making them, especially during a take, or if I had an idea, I would say it with, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hold back, no hesitation. I was like, oh, this is my idea. How about we try this? After, like, every take, I would go up to one of our directors and be like, did I ruin that take? Really? Yes, yeah. I, it's just like, I think it's like an actor's thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just me. No, I think it is. Psychotic, I, but... <laughs> I think it's an artist thing. And I'm sure when you yeah. met Patricia and saw for the first time how she was going to play <laughs> Dee Dee, the mom, that has to affect your own take on it, how she's going to come back. Because that's, that's why I say I believe in over-preparation and how it can be bad because my response to it's going to be different when she actually says it versus how I think she's going to say it. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's not some sort of idea that you have in your mind of, oh, I'm going to respond like this. It's like, no, if someone asks you a question... 
there is a way to respond. There is a way to say, like, so it sounds like you're answering somebody. But there's just something so magical about being on set and, like, what ideas form. And, and especially with someone like Patricia, we had so much fun together. She and I trusted each other so much. There was no judgment, only support, only love and just, you know, if she had an idea or I had an idea, we would fully, like, lift one another up. And we would also, we got into this, we trusted each other so much. We had so many crazy things to do together. When you say trusted each other, sorry to interrupt, what does that mean in terms of actor speak? To me, this is the most incredible form of trust that I had ever really experienced with Patricia was we were doing a scene and, and she looked at me and it was her close-up and she said, was that okay? And I was like, what do you mean? You're it's like, ma- it was amazing. Uh, talking to the director? I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like, it's amazing. And, and then she told me, she was like, listen, like, I, I trust you. We've been working together for a while now and you know, I trust your skill. I trust you know, your decisions. And she told me, she said, you need to let me know if you think I ever need another one or you know, if you ever think I need to do something a little bit different or play off you a little bit differently. And I was like, yeah, me too, me too, you let me know too. <laughs> it was one of those moments where it was really nice to have a confirmation that she trusted me as much as I trusted her because we really emotionally went through so much together. It was so draining. And so to know that someone was really looking out for me and always had my back. And from that point on, we did, we did just that. If we ever thought the other needed another one or if we ever had an idea about the other's performance, we wouldn't hesitate. And it was just, it didn't feel weird. It didn't feel... So did you feel empowered to be able to say, hey, that one, that was like six. I think you could do better. She was never, (laughs) never below a 10, ever. But it was just, it was nice because like if something she was saying... Um, you know, affected something that I said, but I had prepared in a way where I really wanted to try and say it that way or be like, you can, can we try it. it a little bit different so that oh, I can yeah. try and like get, and she was like, yeah, of course. So we really had such a collaborative relationship. How did that relationship start in terms of your first meeting? Was there a chemistry read or anything no, like that? No, so I had an audition process for it. Okay. Uh, and I remember that audition, I was so nervous. Oh my God, I was so nervous. Really? Yeah. And Tell I, me why you were nervous because you've obviously come off some films that have been really big, Kissing Booth and Summer <laughs> 03, and your profile, for lack of a better term, has risen. So were you nervous because you felt like this is out of the thing that people are kind of normally seeing you in or out of your lane? I was nervous because I wanted it so bad. You did? And I knew that I could, if I got it, I knew that I would like commit 100% to it and do whatever it took to get this story across the way I felt like it should be, you know, portrayed to the world. And so I knew that. And so when I went in there, I wanted it because I also wanted to show people that I, I'm more than just what you've seen me as. You know what I mean? I can do more serious, dark roles. And I'm so appreciative and love my career that has, you know, floated me here, but sure. this is so much different than anything I've ever done. It's so dramatic. It's so, it's real. It's real life, you know? It's, it's true. It's when you say that, I feel like when there's a fork in the road and over here is, is this area that people haven't seen you in, it probably feels like 
It's so you have to prove yourself all over again, right? A hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's so exciting too because this is truly the most transformative I've ever gotten to be. Right, because when you think about it, in a lot of these other roles, you've played a version of who you are at this age. A lot of yeah. Going through what you would be going through at this age. So many times, people like every interview I've had over the years, people are always like, "So, how do you relate to your character? You know, what, what's something that you and your character have in common?" And and you're I was like, like everything. Yeah, the struggle they had with a boy in the movie or the struggle they have with a friendship or, you know, insecurity. But this role is so different from me. And that's why I think as an actor it was so attractive because, I mean, as an actor, we can only dream of doing things that totally take us out of our comfort zones and make us do things that we are very uncomfortable doing and would never think that we could get the opportunity to do you know, to wear fake teeth and shave my head f- and sit in a wheelchair and, you know, study someone else's movements. Like, that's what it, like, it feels so good as an actor to be able to, to do something like that. I would think that that would be a legitimate question on this project is you would still have to find points to relate. Absolutely. And, you know, I just read this thing Patricia Arquette said about this very role playing Dee Dee was that, she just dropped one of her kids off to college and was feeling that separation and was able to distort that and use it to see how she would want to hang on to a child in an unhealthy way. When we first met, she told me, she's like, all the feelings I'm feeling about dropping my girl off uh, to school, I'm going to channel all that on you and I'm going to suffocate you. And I was like, nice to meet you. (laughs) Right off the bat, that was it. Well, if you don't feel as an audience member the mother-daughter dynamic, if you don't feel like that's real, then none of it works. It all has to stem from that. Yeah, and Patricia and I became so close, really like like mother and daughter. It was was fantastic. It was like, I feel like she's like a second mom to me. I can go to her for anything. Did you have to think about in terms of relationship with your own parents or? (sighs) It was hard to find things to relate with, but I think what's super, one thing that I, can, and I think anyone can really connect with Gypsy on, is the primal urge urge to love and be loved. And ultimately that's what Dee Dee and Gypsy both wanted, but just in very different ways. Dee Dee wanted to be loved by Gypsy and to love her so ferociously that she literally was making her a prisoner. But Gypsy craved the love from friends. She wanted to have friends. She didn't have any friends. She wanted to have a boyfriend. She wanted to experience life like a normal human being. And so it's just that primal urge that young women and, and young men, every, every young person going through adolescence feels of, you know, you're coming into your own sexuality. You want to kind of find out who you are sexually. You want to find a partner. You want to experience new things. And the, the way in which Gypsy goes about it, of course, is really upsetting because she doesn't have someone to, to get advice from. She doesn't have a mother to lean on to be right. like, hey, like, I'm talking to this guy online. He's saying these things. Is that okay? Is yeah. that weird? But I could relate with her on the fact of, like, she's growing up. She wants to feel these things, but she feels still like she's, you know, trapped in a bit of a younger body, and she wants to be able to break out of that shell and, like, and I and I, I totally understand that like frustration of your it was a mental her own mental prison of like how do I do this and like how and I was lucky enough to have a family who like helped guide me through puberty thank God right but you know she wasn't and so um, relating to her on that front was something that was 
easy for me to do. Um, and just, I mean, but the rest of it, it was so hard to find relating points, which is why it's kind of a great thing as an actor because you have to, you don't, like, I wasn't more than, I wasn't trying to relate with her so much as I was trying to, like, strip away myself and become her, you know, and just strip away all my vanity, forget everything I thought I knew about acting, about relationships, about life, about, and I just, just get right in there. Well, that's such an interesting point because you could say in your career you're still in the first part of it, and yet you've been working since you were four or something like that. So you've had a longer (laughs) career than most actors. But at the same time, you bring up that point about stripping away everything you know about acting. And I'm curious where your mindset was in terms of what my craft is versus what my instinct is. Like, in, in some ways, did you want to get back to acting instinctually without thinking about the tricks you'd learned or I well first I think that I don't know how instinctual I actually was when I was younger really yeah I had my mom was always really I mean she wasn't an actress or anything I none of my family besides me and my sisters are actors or actresses but she had like a really good eye and ear and so when I was a kid she would be my acting coach like she would coach me for auditions and we would go over lines but as I got older, I think it became more instinctual. And then, really? yeah, which I was really appreciative of because I feel so much more confident now when I read a script or when I get a pair of sides or, you know, when I'm like diving into a character because I like have the instinct there, but now I have the skill level because I've been doing it for a while to where I can try and look at it, you know, a little less blindly, a little less like, ah, what am I doing? But I think that, I think it's kind of both. I didn't want to think about it I didn't want to think about it as an actor, like, at all. I don't know. I didn't want to think about it, like, instinctually or, you know, in a prepped skill way. Right. And when it came to saying the words, what I mean when I stripped away everything I thought I knew, like you said, like, little, like, tips that you pick up along the way for yourself. Like, oh, like, this makes this look more real. Or, you know, this is how you give this scene personality. Like... I didn't, want to, I didn't want to think about any of that. I just wanted to think about if Gypsy were here right now and this is, we're telling her story, what would she do? How would Gypsy do this? From everything I've watched, how can I make the best educated guess on how she would say this or how she would do this? And I would just think about it that way. I wouldn't think about, oh, how can I say this word to make it sound cooler or better? or like, Right. Well, when you think of a lot of the films you've done, there's definitely comedic beats in them. Yeah. And then this... It's, it's not very funny. No. <laughs> no, no, and and you have to play all those things so true to her motivations and everything. Yeah. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that you you had to sort of go a little more on a little rogue. Yeah, That's my rogue baby. Yeah. Um, but I, of course, of course, though, if, I mean, as an actor, I still, you know, acted in it. So you know, um, I'm. I'm really, I'm really curious to, I'm, I'm very excited and very curious, like, about, like, how the reaction has been, like, what's been, like, you know, what are people thinking, and I'm not usually a, a review reader, but this one I've been reading. <laughs> I, I would imagine, I'd be very curious to see. Oh, God, I'm so, I was, uh, I was so nervous, first of all, when I booked it, and then, like, having it come out, I was, I remember I went to the premiere, And I was sitting in a room full of people that I knew. I knew everyone there, basically. And I was sweating the entire... I was so 
nervous to watch it with people really? that I knew. Yeah, because I've never felt so vulnerable about a performance before. Do you feel more like there is a chapter that ended before this and then this is a new chapter? That's a good way to put it. I guess I kind of do. Like you're watching yourself up there and you're going, oh, that's this adult, sophisticated actor. And, and <laughs> it's not like watching, no, uh, but it's not like watching, you know, say, S- Kissing Booth or Summer 03 where that's me up there pretty much. It's how I look and yeah. what I do. Like, I'm coming to terms with being able to say that I'm proud of myself which is really difficult for me to do. What happens when you're watching the premiere? Like, what's the inner voice doing? Um, oh my God, <laughs> why did I do that? Um, even still, even like I am, like I still watch and I think to myself, well, like, that was not the best. I know I did a better take than that. And they picked really? that one. And like, I, in the premiere, I was, watching it, I was watching it like this. Really? And people came up, as I brought my mom and my grandma to the premiere with me, and people came up to my mom afterwards and was like, Joey, okay, why was she watching it like through her hands like that? It's like, because it's me. It's so weird to watch me like speak and do things as another person. And because I put so much work into the transformation, I see everything that's wrong with it or everything that I think is wrong with it. And so I'm, of course, so happy that other people haven't seemed to be like looking at it that way. But of course, I'm watching it like, oh no, like I'm watching it like this in front of everyone else. If I was by myself, I'd be watching it like this, like studying it. But it's making, it makes me nervous to watch it in front of other people. Must also feel kind of naked to watch such intense emotion yeah, and as I, another it's character. A hundred percent. And I also, it's so interesting to see myself look like that too. Right. You know, like right. I, I look so different and I love that. And it's, but it's just so interesting to like see that side of myself. Hey folks, let's take a little break from the conversation so I can talk to you about this week's sponsor, Snow. Everybody wants their home to look and feel great. You know, I just redid my home and it's a wide, complicated world out there of possibilities, options, and it can be really hard to find your style and find what you're looking for at a price you can afford in a way that makes it simple and organized. Well, Snow makes it incredibly simple. They create trend-proof, beautiful, functional pieces made for how you live. Whether you just got the keys to your first place or you're looking to upgrade the pieces you've had forever, Snow has home goods that are practical and striking to look at. So here's the deal. Snow makes luxury essentials for every room in your home, minus the markup. We've all walked into high-end home furnishing stores and not only seen the high prices, but also we cringe at the wait times that it's going to be six to eight weeks to get your piece home. And this is where Snow comes in and simplifies both problems, price and availability. They partner directly with master craftsmen to create beautiful, simple products that are made to last, like their incredibly soft, award-winning sheets and fluffy duvets or luxurious airspun cotton towels and ropes. I will say, I have been sleeping on a set of snow sheets, and they are every bit what they're advertised. They're soft, they're fluffy, they feel like you're in a high-end hotel, but they also feel homey, and I love them. And as someone who spends a good portion of time in bed, like we all do, your sheets are so important, and you have to try these snow sheets out. They also have super durable, dishwasher-safe porcelain dinnerware and wine glasses with titanium-enforced stems. Snow has received rave reviews from Vogue, Fast Company, Apartment Therapy, and more. It's the home collection of your dreams, priced for your reality. So right now, Snow is offering our listeners $30 off your first purchase of $150 or more when you go to snowhome.com camera. That's S-N-O-W-E home 
snowhomes.com slash camera to get $30 off your first order. Again, visit snowhome.com slash camera for your special offer. Check this company out. They're trying to do it right. I believe in them. And once you do, send me an email and tell me what you think. And like I said, I'm enjoying laying on their product every night. So you can be doing that too. Just go to snowhome.com slash camera and get $30 off your first order. Now back to the show. You know, there's a scene, I think it's in episode two, where you've had your teeth pulled out. Yeah. Because you're getting some medication for a disease you don't have. It's like making my teeth teeth. rot, yeah. But then there's this elongated scene the next day where you're just looking at yourself in the mirror and you don't have teeth and your jaw's all swollen and there's bruising and you're so despondent and it's so emotional. And what I wanted to ask you about, um, I actually called Zach Braff (laughs) and we had a little chat about you. Because he directed you in Wish I Was Here. Yeah, and Going in Style. And Going in Style with Michael Caine. And... And he said that when he was first working with you, you made him a little nervous because he'd look at you and you'd be over at the craft service table, totally joking and yucking it up, no big deal. And, and he knows you're about to go do this big crying scene with Josh Gad. And he'd be like, I don't know if she has the focus to pull this off. I mean, what's going on? And then he said you would just go over there and just go to that place. And what I wanted to ask you about is if you could put in words how you go to that place emotionally where you have to you have to be able to turn that on and off. Because like you said, you're not method. You're, you're able to do that. And I was curious if, if you could describe how you do that. Because it's not a thing that most of us humans can do. I, and it surprises me that that's not like a thing that most people can do, I guess. Really? I don't know. I, I'm, I've always been able, uh, I think when I first started acting too, I, this is the part I think that was instinctual when I was younger, to tap into my emotions um, on the more emotional and sadder side of things. Right. I don't want to sound like I'm tuning my own horn here, but I do think that I have a lot of empathy. And I think that I feel things really heavily when things happen to other people around me and in my life. Um, I think that I think that really started, too, when I was 11. My mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I think that really made me like, be able to, I mean, that was just, like, one of the craziest things that had ever happened to me and to my family, and I was just so overwhelmed with how to handle that at 11 years old, and watching, not only watching my mom go through that, but watching my sisters, who are older than me, go through having to worry about me, you know, who's going to, you know, take me to the hospital to go to visit her later, or who's going to take me to my, you know, my class later on that day, like, all this stuff, like, I was like, God, I feel so bad. I don't want these people to have to worry about me this way. And I think that ever since then, and before then too, but ever since then, my empathy has grown and I'm, it's easier for me to, even if I can't really relate to a situation my character has been through or is going through, to try and put myself in their shoes for a second I, or you know, another person in the scene, I can really, I can really feel that. I feel it really, really deeply. And so tapping into it, it hurts every time in a good way, in a way where it's like it's fulfilling as an actor to be able to tap in there. But yeah, I'm, I think that that's kind of where it stemmed from. Some actors talk about a trigger or using a specific thing to, to start that process. 
It doesn't sound like that's what you're talking about, but that you're actually feeling for the character in that moment rather than saying, oh, I need to, I need to take myself to a place. Yeah, I don't like, think of any one specific thing or go to that one place. I just try and put myself where I think, where I think the person that I'm playing is feeling. And putting yourself in the shoes of someone else's emotions is what helps make it realistic. Right. It makes me wonder if that aspect of your personality, what effect it has on your life outside of work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm it, a crier. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I wonder in situations, you know, if, if you can trust your own emotions. I mean, I'm still a young gal, so I feel like the, the way I've le- lived my life so far with that kind of thing, you know, on my back, I feel like I've lived pretty healthily in that way and emotionally like I feel pretty I feel like I'm very much expressive I'm not I'm not I'm very much an open book when people meet me you can kind of see exactly how I feel right away I'm generally a pretty happy person but I I I think that why I feel like happy and confident most of the time is because I'm not afraid to 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 say how I feel or expel my emotions when I need to so you don't bottle anything up not really I, I try not to because I know how unhealthy it is. Can you teach me how to do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I mean, I don't let a lot bother me. Like a lot of situations that previously would have given me a lot of anxiety or a lot of, you know, a lot of overwhelming emotions. I feel like I've learned somehow, and I really do think working on the show, working on this show and meeting the people that I met, just like the crew and everyone, I met some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life, and I think so many of those people just helped me realize how awesome life can be and how little things matter. And so just being able to like look at a situation that would have otherwise made me feel really anxious and being like, oh, well, I can't really control it, so why feel that way? And just kind of pushing it out of the way right. has been really a great tool for me that I've just recently learned. Do you ever worry that it won't show up when you need it to? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I know exactly what like, you mean. Do that you, is something. Some that I, mornings where you're like, "Uh, this scene, I have to nail this scene." There are times when, like, and I usually, and I think it's just me. I'm, like, I'm very self-critical, but who isn't? I think that when I, you know, I look at my sides for the day, I see it, like you know, on set, and I see a scene where I have a huge breakdown or something, right? Or a huge emotional, you know, screaming match with somebody, or you know, something that I need to be, like, physically really, like, anxious for in a scene. Which this show is full of them, by full the way. Full of that, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of that. Um, it was draining, and it was amazing, and it was energizing. But I would look at it, and I would just be like, I hope I can pull this off today. I really, really? hope I can. And I was, those scenes are really nice to prepare for. Like, kind of, in a, like, they're, it's nice to be able, it's, Good to be spontaneous in those scenes, but for me, I like to kind of have an idea of what I want to do because, you know, if you can go completely rogue on that, sometimes you don't show up in the way that you thought you could. And so being able to be like, oh, I think I'm going to do this, and then sometimes you don't, and it works out great. But just having an idea of it is nice. But every time I would get on set and I would tap into the way Gypsy would feel and really put myself there, I never, I never... I never had a hard time getting there. But I always, would, I always would be nervous that I would, which I think is good. I think it shows that I'm alive, you know what I mean? If I was just like a robot who could just perform yeah. all the time with ease, it'd be like, she okay? Um, but I, I, I would get nervous. Perform crying function now. <laughs> but I would get nervous that I was like, oh my God, like this is a big scene today. I don't want to fuck it up. 
it must be a bit of a mystery to you every time it does come and you find yourself in the middle of it, right? Uh, do you ever have times where you're in the middle of a scene, you sort of like lose the reality of it and you're just in it so far? Oh my God, when there's been, so, especially on this show, there, there have been countless times where like I'm doing, and all of a sudden I hear someone say cut. And I'm like, what? You know what I mean? You go that deep. It just happens sometimes. Like, you, right. yeah, and especially, and it's always so funny too when I'm like in the middle of like really just like crying, like heavy emotion. Someone says cut, and you're like, oh my God, I'm still crying. Like, okay, I guess we're cutting. Right. I mean, at some point, does it switch <laughs> over to like, it's all got to be mixed in there, right? Like, the empathy for the character, the tears start. Now you're just in that place where... But also at the same time, it gets like... like, It's once they say like, okay, cut. Cut is different than like moving on to a completely different scene. Once they're like, we're moving on to a different scene, I'm like, great, where's Crafty? (laughs) But yeah, there's plenty of times where you get so far into it and you're like... I always say, and I really do mean it, I, I think my personal happiest moments as a person are between action and cut. Because I don't think about anything. I'm not worrying about anything. Totally present. I'm not thinking about what is happening in my personal life, whether it be good or bad even. Whether, you know, I turned off the stove or took the dog pee or like whatever. Like, I'm not thinking about any of it. I'm just thinking about what I'm doing and it's like such a freeing moment every time. Hey folks, let's take another little break so I can talk to you about HoneyBook. This week's sponsor and also a company that I wish was around when I was starting my business. Because if you run a creative business, you know how to make your clients look good. But if you're struggling with tedious administrative tasks, you can let HoneyBook do the work and make you look good. Now, I have so much personal experience, trials, and tribulations with this very thing. As a young entrepreneur at the beginning of my career, I had no idea what I was doing. I would spend so much of my time trying to get work and then do the work well and make sure the people I did the work with were happy that so many of my business tasks fell by the wayside. Billing, accounting, shipping, receiving, and HoneyBook solves all of that stuff. I think so many people have great ideas for businesses, but what's holding them back is the administrative know-how to get their business off the ground. HoneyBook is here to help you do just that. They're an online business management tool that lets you control your client communication, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. If you're a creative freelancer or a small business owner, HoneyBook helps you stay organized with custom templates and automation tools. You can even use HoneyBook to consolidate services you already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, and MailChimp. Over 75,000 photographers, designers, event professionals, and other entrepreneurs have saved hundreds to thousands of hours a year. It's your business, just better, with HoneyBook. So right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off your first year with the promo code OFFCAMERA. That's pretty amazing. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook and use the promo code OFFCAMERA for 50% off your first year. Now, I know a great portion of you listening to this show are creatives who are running their own businesses, whether you're a photographer or a musician or an actor or a director, and I would love to hear your experience with HoneyBook. So give it a try. It's a great deal. You just go to HoneyBook.com, use the promo code OFFCAMERA, you'll get 50% off your first year. Get paid faster and work smarter with HoneyBook.com, promo code OFFCAMERA. Now back to the show. 
it's impressive talking to you because for every actor who has managed to run the gauntlet of childhood acting <laughs> and make it through to the other side, <laughs> there are countless stories that Doesn't are it? the dark side of it. Yeah. The bad stage mom or the the kid that that didn't know how to deal with the power and flames out or, or just hard luck consequences. Mm -hmm. So it makes me curious how, I you know. I'm crazy? How you're not crazy. <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I am crazy, but you know, not and, like and that. And just, was acting ever a choice for you or do you just, are your earliest memories of doing it? You know, I started doing it when I was four because my two older sisters were doing it. And, and I wanted you just wanted to, be, to do it. Yeah. I wanted to hang out with them so bad. Anything they did, I wanted to do. How much older are they than you? Six and seven years older. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah you're like. So I was a mistake. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're, now we're figuring it and out. And that's why I'm ready. Um, no, but they, um, I wanted to, and they were such great sisters. They, I don't know how I got so lucky. They, they didn't care that I wanted to hang out with them. They They're were so like, pissed now. They were like. They're like, they, she. <laughs> no, but so it was always though, like, never a thing that was, like you were saying, people have those crazy stage mom stories and people right. have those things. It was never a, this is your career path and you're going to like it. It was, this is a fun activity with your sisters. And I mean, my oldest sister, she acted for a long time. And when she was 15, she got her dream role because she, her favorite show in the world was Grey's Anatomy. And she got a part on Grey's Anatomy for a, an episode. And then she said, okay, I think I'm good with acting now. Really? Yeah. She's like, I did it. I hit and it my was dream. Never like, our family, it was never like, you're an actor now. You know what I mean? It was, this is something, and if you don't want to do it, you don't, you don't have to do it. It's funny. There's an opposite parallel, which is that in the case of the act, Dee Dee has huge needs from her child, whereas a good, healthy parent lets the children have needs, and the adult doesn't have any needs from the child. Yeah. And so maybe Dee Dee Blanchard is the <laughs> total example of the worst kind of stage mom in a way. Yeah, it's right? horrible. It's so bad, but ugh, I can't even. And I'm sure you saw some of that growing up too. Oh my God, it was it was insane. I would feel so bad for a lot of younger girls who I knew, and I didn't really know them. I just you know saw them when I would go to auditions, and the way they were little robots, and you know I just felt really sad for them because it wasn't like acting has always been such a fun thing for me and an escape for me. And it was not their escape. It was something they were, like, forced into. You know what I mean? And they had to please And they mom. had to please, or whoever, really. Right. And because I was in it so young, I loved it when I was younger. It was such an amazing thing. It was just, like, such, like, a fun time for me. But as I got older, there was never a moment that I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. There never was. You never questioned it. Never. I feel so good when I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I think it was really like, I, I feel so happy. I never felt like it wasn't the move for me or wasn't right for me, ever. My girls are in middle school right now. and That's tough. It's just a known thing yeah. that the middle school years are probably the hardest years of our lives. And yeah. I don't even want to think about my own my middle school years. My mom was so funny, though. When I, would like, when I would start being snappy when I was like 12, 13, she's like, I don't give a shit how old you are. You better be respectful. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 
She's like, I don't care how many hormones you've got pumping through your body, you will say please and thank you. But it, that is the hardest time. It in is. life, and there must have been times where you felt like, oh, I don't want to do this work, or I don't have anyone to talk to about this, or my body's changing. Like, how did you deal with the pressure of, of all of that change on top of the fact that you're, you're a working actor? I was so fortunate because I never went to middle school, which I think is a huge reason. You were homeschooled all the way through, or studio schooled all the way through that. Through middle school, yeah. Through middle school and high school. I went to elementary school. But I think that middle school is where a lot of those issues erupt. So you're like, I'll skip the whole thing. I'll skip that shit. I don't (laughs) care. Um, I... Because yeah, I should mean, I pull I, my kids out of school right now? Of, pull Just them out. S- start but I did sending have, to auditions. I did have insecurities. I'm, sh- I, I, I'm, I did. I was, you know, a 12 year old girl, and as a 12 year old girl, and 13 year old girl, and 14 year old girl, like that whole situation, that whole, like it's, it is tough. It sucks, no matter if you have full access to and craft service that, in your own trailer. or Exactly. Not. I, well, I think what's tough about it is just like, it's being, it's seeing like what you're supposed to be. Like, I want to be skinnier. And that was, like, a huge thing when I was, like, 13. You know what I mean? 13, 14. It's such a big thing for girls is being skinnier and being, like, tinier and, like, knowing how to, like... And that's not something you, like, can, like, talk to your parents about because they'll be like, you're crazy, you're 13. Like, just stop worrying about it. Like, I was just, like... And that was, like, a huge insecurity for me when I was younger. But that I tried to let go. And then, you know, I've always been self-critical. So, but it got... It got like a little, I started to notice it more when I was around that age. Like when I was looking at my performances, I would nitpick so much more at those ages. And my mom would be like, you need to cut it out. You did such a good job. Would you be beating yourself up over stuff and not let, being able to let it go? And- I would try not to because I knew like some of my friends would and it wouldn't, there was no part of me that like wanted to fit in with that part, with the part of like self-deprecation. I didn't want to be that way. You know what right. I mean? I wanted to be happy and like, like live a happy life. And but at that age, there's no avoiding the at that looking age, at yourself. At and- that age, it's hard. It's also very hard because when you see your friends and your peers with the self-deprecation and the, um, like you know, the, the tears and like you know, like always having like a like at night, you're just like breaking down and everything like in the world sucks. Like. You know, it's hard not to just be like, well, my friends are like, even if you feel good, like you're like, my friends are like that. So like maybe like, I, you know, like sometimes you create issues for yourself that aren't even there because you want to fit in. And I was really happy that I never felt that way because yeah. I didn't want to fit into that part. I wanted to fit in in a way where I was like happy and like felt good about myself. And, you know, I wanted to be like my sisters were such good role models for me and I wanted to be like them. So I, yeah, I don't think I ever had like those like I I slept really well and I <laughs> It's funny the last three films before this, Wish I Was Here and Summer 03 and The Kissing Booth, you're all portraying like the the total workings of high school and coming of age and sort of the gauntlet of those years yeah. and you didn't experience them in, in some ways isn't that funny have you learned about life isn't from your crazy? films like, yes. is it weird to like study a script and go oh wait what is this prom thing it's they're talking so about? i know it's so funny to me because when i was filming summer through and i was walking through the halls of high school i was like 
<laughs> what are those metal things with <laughs> locks on them? I never went to high school. <laughs> um, what is this cafeteria what thing? What is this? Um, I've done a lot of films now where I portray a girl in school, and right. it's great. I love it. I, I have learned a lot. Um, and a lot of my friends who I'm so fortunate I've met on set, like Summer 03, the girl who plays my best friend in that, her, she's one of my best friends in real life now. We met on that show. Right. And, I mean, a lot of them have had regular high school experiences, and of course when you get to know people, you get to know about their lives, and I feel like meeting pe- through meeting people and friends throughout the years, I'm like, oh, so that's what it's like. Okay. You so know? you had a bit of a disconnect there. I Yeah, and I think that that's what's uh, kind of fun about being an actor is like, I can pretend I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I did go to a prom. I went to a friend's prom. My, one of my best friends, um, Emma, she took me to her junior prom. And this is actually one of my favorite stories. I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to prom. Oh my God, oh my God, oh And I was like doing like research. I was like, I'm going to get her a corsage because that's you're what people do. You're doing prom research. Right? Because you're not, you're not in class like passing notes about... No. Learning about well, this stuff. And also, when I did go to school, I was such a goody-goody. Like, I never got in trouble. And the one time I got in trouble for talking in class, I went home and I cried. And so, like, I never even experienced, like, the rebellion, like, passing notes in school. You never went to the principal's office. Never. Oh, God. I was, I was, I was picked on in school for being a teacher's pet. Really? Anyway, uh, yeah, that was me. Um, but <laughs> I, I, um, I was like, oh, my God, I found this thing online. I was like, KFC does fried chicken corsages? So, wait, listen. I call the nearest KFC. An actual, like, thigh? Well, okay, so I called the nearest KFC, and I was like, listen, is this true? And they're like, we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Please stop calling us and I was like wait so you don't do a chicken corsage they're like no ma'am I was like what do you mean they're like what are you talking about I was like all right I'll, I'm gonna go so then I was like I've got to take matters into my own hands so I dm'd KFC on Twitter and I was like listen and you have I a few followers on Twitter right a few and I was like you could probably shut KFC down <laughs> if you wanted to you could just tell all your followers don't eat there anymore and the chain would close and the chain would close <laughs> well I DM them I said listen I saw this ad campaign you guys did back like four years ago I went deep you used your power listen <laughs> for the good of humanity I said I saw that you guys had KFC chicken corsages as part of an ad campaign is that a thing you can do and I have my best friend's prom and I want to surprise her um and they DM me back and they were like I'm not surprised they were like they're like what nine million followers get her a corsage right now like we don't but we will (laughs) what kind of dipping sauce do you want with your corsage so I got two corsages, one for me, one for my best friend. And I was like, I'll have ranch, she'll have barbecue. And we rocked up to that prom. Also, she was so excited. When I gave her that box, you would have thought I proposed to her. She was like screaming. She was so excited. We walked up to that prom with chicken on our wrists. And it was the most badass thing ever. It was so cool. So that's my only prom experience. God, and... The- it's so like <laughs> all of people's prom experiences. Yeah, it's so, so common, right? Like, everyone's had a KFC chicken corsage. You know, talking to you is interesting and all, but what we should do the show on is we should just sit here and DM corporations and see what we can get. Let's do it, because, like, <laughs> I'm hungry. You know what I mean? I didn't eat can breakfast. We, can we get, so like, a car delivered here? Should we just, here? like, DM Wendy's and Let, see if we can get a couple sure. Frosties up in here? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, okay. So I want to ask you a question that leads into sort of that explosion of of awareness that came around Kissing Booth. Yeah. Which was you crazy. went up to Vancouver to do a pilot called Dead Inside. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and this was a pilot uh, created by my friend Bill Lawrence. Yeah. You were going to play a cop, and he thinks you're a fantastic actor, wants to put you in this thing. She's a little young, but it's going to work because she's great. You'll love her. You come up, you do the pilot, you're doing the table read. Tell me the story. What happens? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So Bill called me about this show. Yeah. And he sent me the script, and he told me, he didn't tell me I would be playing a cop. He was just telling me I set, he sent me the script. I read the first page, and I called him back, and I said, did you mean to send this to me? <laughs> <laughs> And he was, That's not a good sign. Yeah, and he was like, yeah. I was like, it says the cop is 28. I was, I, I, mind you, I was, uh, I believe I had just turned 18 when I got this script. I was like, Bill, I can't do this. He was like, we're going to change the age. We'll age it down to like 21. I was like, still, like, have you seen my face? Like, I play like 15. And I still, like, look at how, look at these cheeks, you know what I mean? So I was like, Bill, I don't know if this is going to work. And so we had a, I had a meeting with him and the writer. And I love Bill, and I loved her. And I was like, I want to work with you guys so bad, I just don't think this is for me. And they were like, no, you gotta. His wife called me, too, and was like, Bill's sets are the best. I was like, I'm not discrediting that. I'm sure they're amazing. But basically, long story short, they, like, they were persistent enough to where I was like, okay, I'll... I'll do it. I'll like I'll I'll sign on. So I went to wardrobe and I put on my cop uniform. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, "Man, I I said in I said out loud to myself, I hope I don't get fired." And then I sent a picture to my mom of me in my uniform. She was like, "Oh no, you look 12." <laughs> I was like, "I know." <laughs> so then I did the table read with the 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 um Network table read because right. Bill, I mean, he's such a powerful man. He was like overriding network and was like, "We're hiring Joey King. You can't say anything about it." So he hired me, um, and network hadn't, you know, like like seen anything yet. And I hadn't auditioned or anything. So we did the table read, and then I went. I went back to my hotel. And I was like, "Oh, I think like that was great. I had a good time. But I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm, like I don't know if I'm right for this. I don't know." And Bill was like, "You did a great job." Then I get a. I'm so glad I woke up early. <laughs> Because I get an email like 6 a.m. from Bill being like, meet me down in the lobby at 8 a.m. I'd love to chat. And I was like, great. I totally got fired. <laughs> so, um, and so basically what had happened was, like, Network was like, we love Joey. She's awesome. We don't even, we, and we know, like, you know, the opportunity to work with her may not come around again. But she's just too young. Whoa, who knew that was going to happen? <laughs> so Bill found out he wasn't quite so powerful as he thought he was. Well, I mean, listen, I, I totally, I love Bill. I so appreciate how much he believed in me, but I totally agreed with Network. And then, and then he told me, he's like, I am so sorry. But it was just such a funny story because the whole time I was telling him, like, I'm too young for this, I'm too young for this. And then, and then he was like, no, it's fine. And right. the network was like, she's too young for this. And I was like, I told you. Um, but so, well, yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is that it shines a light on the fact that careers are, as much as you want to drive them, sometimes, sometimes you know, it's, it's out of your control. Yeah. The way people see you, the way you're seen. And I would imagine at that point, 
you're still an actress getting fired and you're still looking like, what does that mean? What do I do next? Uh, did it feel like a bit of a fork in the road for you? For, for a second, I was like, oh my God, I was fired for the first time. This is horrible. And, you know, everyone around me was like, you didn't get fired. Like, it wasn't like, oh, she's bad at acting. She's fired. You know what I mean? But yeah, for a second, I was like, oh, that was sucked. But then, like I said, I tr really try not to let things bother me. And I was just like, you know what? Like, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. Cause like it was, it was crazy. But like at the same time, you can't. I can't look at it like, oh, I got fired. Because I, I think that network. If I were them, I would have made the same decision. Cause I don't sure. think I was right for the role either. Right, right. No, and 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 if that pilot had gone and gone to series, yeah, Kissing Booth wouldn't have happened. Exactly. And Kissing Booth apparently. According to Ted Sarandos's, you know, secret files, secret statistical research around the world is the biggest movie on earth. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I I cannot believe the way it it's, it blew up. I'm so shocked. Why did that movie resonate with kids so much? Do you think? Not just kids. Well, I was on the an, entire world. I was on an airplane to. Uh, I was on an airplane in Turkey, and this man sitting next to me, he told me his entire life story. But he was a 33-year-old Turkish man. I know that for a fact. <laughs> and he had been to prison, but whatever. Um, but he sat next to me on the plane. Before he told me his life story, he was like, are you the girl from the kissing booth? <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I sure am. And then um, you're like, oh, God, I can't go anywhere. Right. I can't go to Turkey. It was, it was, it was crazy. But like, I, I think what people were craving was just a good, fun rom-com. There is so many amazing quality shows and movies out there right now that are just so quality and so well done. And just like, and I think, and that's, and that's great. And like, the, I mean, like, the quality in the way we're like, they're super heavy. Because um, right. Kissing Booth, I think, is super quality, for, especially for the type of movie it is. It's so fun and like, it was done so well. I think people were craving something really fun and something that you could just put on and just watch and feel good. And I think that that's what, and I think it is also kind of has, it's like reminiscent of like John Hughes movies. Obviously, we have Molly Ringwald in it for a reason. Right, right. But I think it really does. It feels like if, if Breakfast Club, Mean Girls, and She's the Man had a little baby and pooped out the kissing booth, and I think, and that, then that poop spread all over the world, and it was a plague <laughs> of poop. Um, but it was no. I think that people wanted something really fun, and it just like ticked all the boxes. And I'm so grateful because I saw so much in that movie when I got the script. The script was so good and so cute. I got it I got it sent to me and I was like, when can I make this? Like how do I get this movie? They're like, "Oh, it was offered to you." And I was like, "Are you kidding me? I can't wait." And they're and like, "I'm not going to be too young for it." I'm not going to be too young for it. But it was <laughs> I actually wear a cop really uniform. funny because it was like my reps were like, "Oh yeah, it's cute. Like you can do it if you want." And I was like, "No, I see something really special in this." They're like, okay, like whatever. <laughs> you know, it shows you the random nature of. And of then Netflix, yeah, there was not much promotion behind it either. Right. No. It was it just it was considered an independent film on Netflix, and then the trailer released and it got so much organic traffic and people like Netflix was shocked. I was shocked. I mean, I knew the movie was special, but I had no idea it was going to be that special. And it was just like it went crazy. It was the most insane thing. And I don't really like to, you know, touch on social media and like 
talk about it like insanely, but unless you're trying to get a KFC corsage, a KFC corsage, uh, then I'll definitely talk about it. But it is it is insane. My socials went from I went on Instagram. I went from uh, I remember the number because it was so wild to me. I went from 619,000 followers, and now I have 8.8 million followers. That's and great. That's the thing like, that came out not even a year ago. How many people live in Turkey? I don't know. <laughs> See now if you had gone to high school. Okay, Sam. <laughs> I don't know either. Oh, get a load of this guy. <laughs> I don't know either, here. but I'm guessing <laughs> that most of the population of Turkey I, I just, would fit in your Instagram followers. It's crazy. It's like that that to me was and it hasn't even been a year since it came out. It'll be a year very soon. But hasn't even been a year. May eleventh will be have been a year since it came out. For me, what I look at is the random nature, obviously, you don't get this pilot and you get an opportunity to do something else. That thing blows up. I'm sure after that happened, everything changed in terms of the meetings and the rooms and the opportunities. Yeah. And it shows that as much as you think you can plan a career or try your best you at can't. you can't, right? It's all it's I mean, I I'd love to sit here and tell you like I am talented, and that is why I sit here today. Or I had I had a, a some steps that I followed. And and I'm, yeah, and it's like it's, uh, and I'm so thankful that people do consider me to be talented, and like, I'm very happy happy that people keep hiring me. But it's really luck, you know what I mean? Like no one knew Kissing Booth was going to do what it did, and I had done several other films that were huge before that, but as minor characters or as you know the daughter. Sure. Or, you know I'm so grateful to those, but I wasn't like like people were like, oh, Joey King's cool, but like they weren't, they were like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. You know right. what I mean? And so... They weren't like, get Joey King in our film. They're like, get her on the phone Regardless. right fucking now. Yeah. Um, no, it was, and I'm... And How I'm, about those people up in Vancouver who were like, she's too young. Now they're like, we should have aged the role down. <laughs> no, what I'm, were we thinking? I'm so happy though, because that's what's interesting now being in the position I'm in is making choices and like turning things down. And like reading things, and I always feel so bad when I turn things down. Though I feel like a bitch, and I. But you have to. You have to. Like I read things, and I'm like, it's just not me. Like it's just not. And I'm so sorry. Like there's so much creative labor that goes into these things that I'm being sent, and I like just want to know, like everyone to know that I appreciate that. You know, it's just not my next move. But that brings up a question: How you handle that? Uh, How you how you sort of sort through that, and and try to make decisions that make sense, you know? Yeah, you gotta like, I mean, just understanding that I'm young and I have all the time in the world and not trying to rush my aging process. I think that that's the biggest thing is like not rushing the fact that I don't need to go and play a 23-year-old stripper now. Well, I don't good. need to do that. Good, we don't need to see that. We don't need to see that. We don't want to see that from me. Like, you can you can also put the cop uniform on when you're in your 30s. When I'm in my 30s. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I just want to, I want, like, I want to age gracefully because I have time to well, age gracefully. So far, I don't, in your first 19 years, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I just don't think I need to just project myself into a totally different age category that I'm not ready to be in just because... And you can't be selfish, I think, as an actor. You can't look at a role and be like, that's a great role for me, but it is a little like too out there for the like like I if I looked at a role and I, I bring up the 23 year old server because that was a script I got sent recently <laughs> if come I, on people we can do better than that if I look at that no it was it was it was hilarious but like if I look at that and I was like that's a great role for me I could do that role it may not be where I think I should be but I think I'll do it you're not just that's the, the that's selfish 
Because then you're making a film that has the potential to be something great and nitty gritty and just fantastic and a piece of art. You're making it about you now. When these people put in so much work and labor into making this script happen and to getting the production together, which takes so much work, and you are making it about you and potentially ruining a story that could be someone's big break because they spent their whole lives on this script. And you're thinking to yourself, well, even though I don't think I would aid this script and help the script, maybe I'll do this role. You're right. People make decisions based on that rather than based on who is the absolute best person for the role. Mm -hmm. And so you I mean, can't trust yeah. those conversations that when people are saying you'd be great for it. You also have to sort of... Got to trust yourself. Yeah, because that's the question is, who can you Because of, guess what? It was a really cool script that I read. But if they had put me in it, it wouldn't have been the script it was meant to be, you know? So who, do, who can you talk to? Who, like, are you I to really, a point now where you sort of have to, like, just advocate for yourself? I'm so, I mean, I'm so lucky. My manager and I have been together for 10 years, and I trust him so much. He is one of those people, like, we can argue comfortably, you know what I mean? Like, right. And my mom, too. I trust her so much. If I, like, I run anything by her, and I know that she will be totally honest with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she is only looking out for me in the best way possible. Especially, she birthed me, for God's sake. But, like, my, my, but I, I'm lucky to have someone that's not family that is looking out for me, too, like my manager. And if he sends me something that I don't like, I'm like, you crazy? And then if, if I tell him an idea that, I, that he hates, he's like, are you crazy? So it's nice to be able to have a relationship like that where you can be totally blunt with somebody yeah. um, and expect the same thing back. You know, you know. One thing Zach Braff said: Joey has it all. She, she's the whole package. She can do everything. She's like Natalie Portman. And, oh God. And then I was reading something else where the director was saying she's like the next Jessica Chastain. And, and I was. Who said that? I forget. I read that somewhere. Said. Well, what I wondered is, does that ever feel like pressure to you? Like, like you're 19. There's these expectations are now. Like, in other words. Does this phenomenon that happened that, that was registered through social media to how many people watched this film and what's been happening in your career, does it ever feel like pressure to sustain? No. You don't worry about it. That's not true. I do. I, I do, but I don't feel it in a negative way that, like when people say things like that, no part of me is like, oh God, I have to live up to that. I, I, I have no idea if I could ever live up to a name like Jessica Chastain. I am, she's probably my favorite actress in the world. But the fact that someone would like look at, like compliment me in that way, it kind of like, first, my first reaction is like, it kind of like, especially when it's someone I'm close to, it brings a little bit of a tear to my eye that someone would think that about me. I don't hear things like that and think, oh, now I have to live up to that. Because regardless if I do or I don't, that person in that moment is proud of me, and that really means a lot. And as far as feeling the pressure, I, I still, I, I do. And I think that's why I feel so lucky that I have the act coming, like, you know, coming out and having it be out and everything is because I feel, I felt the pressure of, like, okay, I've been working hard my whole life. Kissing Booth came out, and it did amazing, and it was something that I was so proud of, like, so, so proud of. And then it was like, okay, great. And this is a horrible way to think. I never like to think about the future because it's like, you know, you can't control it. But I was like, okay, I just want people to know, though, like, yes, that that was me, but I also can be a bit darker. 
And that was a little bit of a pressure that I felt for a second until this came along. The pressure of being able to prove myself again, that I, I had already proved myself and now I needed to do it again, that kind of was like a little scary to me. And no one said that I needed to, I just felt that personal pressure that I needed to. No one was like, you need to prove yourself to be a serious actress now. It was like, no, 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 I, I, I put that on myself, I did. But like sometimes you need that to give yourself that extra, to keep yourself having drive and motivation. For sure. I think anyone who becomes great at what they do, they drive themselves harder than any outside force drives them. Yeah. And I think that's a common trait of a true artist is that you're always trying to live up to your own standard. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I think that that's like something you shouldn't let get in your own way too much though. Like it's important to be proud of yourself. And like, I, like that's what I said before. It's just like, that's super hard for me to say. And I think it's, it's hard for anyone to be outwardly proud of themselves because they don't want to sound arrogant or braggadocious. But I think it's important to take a second to be like, I've accomplished these things. That's pretty cool, you know? And like being able to like be happy with who you are, no matter what it is you've accomplished, big or small, even small is big, you know what I mean? Just small things, being proud of who you are, being proud of the journey that you went through to get where you are is super important. Well, you've accomplished an amazing amount for the time you've been on Earth, and you're way too well-adjusted to be believed. And <laughs> I want you to come give my daughters lessons on how to do whatever you did, because you, you just seem like a lovely young woman, and Thank it's you. been a pleasure getting to know you. You too. This, I'm so happy that you had me on. This was so fun. You have And this performed. is like really the most like honest and like open like I've ever been in an interview. It feels really nice, because well, it I feels just like that. a great conversation. Well, listen, I, uh, I think you've performed admirably as our youngest guest ever, and... <gasps> Now I'm gonna have to like beat, I'll have to have like a four-year-old on now. Do I get to get like my picture taken and one, be one, on one of those like boards like Bill Lawrence was? No, yes you do. <laughs> and we're gonna, we're gonna send you an award. It's, it's gonna be made entirely out of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh my God, yes, you know me so well. <laughs> yes, thank God. Thank I've worked my whole this. life for this moment. <laughs> thank you for having me. Hey folks, that's our show. You know, Joey was our youngest guest ever, and it's astounding the poise and maturity that she has as a 19-year-old. I don't know that many people that can handle that world with as much grace and humility as she does. Check out all her work. You know, Zach Braff introduced me to her work by putting her in two of his movies, Wish I Was Here and Going In Style. And now she seems poised to take over the world. But you have to see the act. It's disturbing. It is dark. But the acting is incredible, and you don't want to miss it. And after you see that, if you want something that's less disturbing, less dark, go to offcamera.com. You can find every one of our episodes archived for your viewing pleasure. Now, the best way to watch us is on DirecTV's Audience Network, channel 239, on Monday and Wednesday nights. If you don't have DirecTV, you can also see the show by getting our monthly television subscription. For only $4.99 a month, you can watch every episode as many times as you want on any device of your choosing. It's a great deal. It's a great way to support the show. And it's a great way to see the conversations that you've been hearing on this podcast. You can also find us on social media. We are Off Camera Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I am Sam Jones on Twitter and Sam Jones Pictures on Instagram. 
If you take a minute and give me a follow on Instagram, you will see behind the scenes photographs from this very show. And I don't know if you know this, but with every guest that comes in, when we're done talking, we go in the studio, we do a photo session. And it's sort of a neat way for me to take a whole portrait of a person. I get this long, incredible conversation with these iconic artists, and then I go photograph them. And you can see all those photographs on our website, and like I said, on my Instagram page. So check all of that out. I want to thank everybody that works on this show. They work really hard. They deserve your love and affection. Crawford Shippey, Nathan Shields, Michaela Galvin, Sasha Snow, and Kara Johnson. And most of all, I want to thank you. Each time you tune in and check out Off Camera, and each time you tell your friends about the show, you're helping us keep this show going. I know some of you are new listeners, and I want to say welcome to you. And I know some of you have been listening since the beginning. And I just want to say it means so much to me that this little show that we make in Santa Monica can travel around the world. So if you love what we're doing here, please take a moment, go on social media, tell your friends, tell your family, tell strangers about Off Camera. And we're going to try to keep doing this thing for as long as possible. And most importantly, be sure to join me next time when I sit down with actor David Harbour, perhaps better known as Chief Hopper in the Netflix hit Stranger Things. I guess I'm an ambassador for the angry monsters out there. I want you to know that, like, I'm angry too. I get it. The world is unfair. Because I've dealt with things that have truly been confusing to society, to say the least. And I want to say, like, it's okay to feel these strange things. You don't have to turn to the dark side in the sense that, you know, you can become an artist. He's been turning in nuanced, moving performances on stage and screen for over 20 years and is widely considered an actor's actor of the highest order. But for David, the whole journey has been complicated and not just by his early struggles with alcohol, drugs, and mental illness. In our fascinating conversation, he details his journey towards self-acceptance and talks about how a desire to really know himself has finally allowed him to become the actor that he wants to be. See you next time, off camera.